Good evening, folks. Welcome to A Theater in the Dark. I'm Corey Bradbury, producing artistic director and director of tonight's performance, coming to you live from Chicago. Now, before we begin our story of Martian invasion, we've got our actors for this evening spread out across North America, and they'll introduce themselves for you now, just before we begin. Hi, everyone. I'm Mac Gordon. I'm playing the role of H.G. Wells tonight, and I'm also one of the co-founders of A Theater in the Dark. I'm broadcasting in Pacific time from Vancouver, British Columbia in Canada. Please join us now for a moment to acknowledge the indigenous lands that we're broadcasting from. Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Ming Hudson, and I am the voice of the professor. And I also live in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, which are the lands stolen from the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. Hello everyone, I'm Elizabeth McCoy. I will be playing Isabel Wells tonight. I am coming to you in real time from New Orleans, which is on land stolen from the Kushada, Choctaw, Chittimacha, Tunica, and Homa tribes. And hello, my name's Greg Garrison. I'm playing Dr. Ogilvy tonight. Uh, I live in Eastern Time in Chattanooga, Tennessee, the traditional homeland of the Cherokee and East Yuchi tribes. And Chicago is the traditional homelands of the Council of the Three Fires, the Ojibwe, Odawa, and Potawatomi nations, in addition to the Miami, Peoria, and Kikapu tribes. Welcome to A Theater in the Dark's A War of the Worlds, adapted from H.G. Wells' novel by Mac Gordon and Corey Bradbury. This audio play runs approximately 70 minutes with no intermission, and was performed live in real time over the internet on Halloween 2021. The cast includes Greg Garrison, Mac Gordon, Ming Hudson, and Elizabeth McCoy, with original music by Ben Zucker. Corey Bradbury directs and sound engineers the production. To listen to our show uninterrupted, hear other audio offerings, or support A Theater in the Dark, find us online at atheaterinthedark.com. Come and show me another city. With lifted head singing so proud. To be alive and coarse and strong and cunning. Carl Sandburg, Chicago. would have believed in the first years of the 21st century that this world was being watched keenly and closely by intelligences greater than our own. The manuscript begins like that. There is no dedication. The pages are not numbered. We've assembled them together the best we can. The account continues... 
as humanity busied itself with our various concerns, we were scrutinized, studied, as a man with a microscope might scrutinize the germs in a drop of water. Our author, H.G. Wells, was a journalist, a freelance columnist who reported on popular astronomy of the time. He wrote this account of the 2027 Martian invasion of Illinois from a makeshift bunker in the suburban neighborhood of Kankakee. He'd been separated from his newlywed wife by what he calls... The stupidest decision of my life. I write these pages of what has happened trapped underground with the unlikeliest of allies, buried by the falling of the fifth Martian cylinder. Across this short gulf of space, minds that are to our minds as ours are to apes, intellects vast, cool, and unsympathetic have regarded this earth with envious eyes, and slowly and surely drew their plans against us. But let me begin. But let me begin. At at the the start. start. It was wondrously warm for a fall night. There were lights on in the windows of homes. From the railway station in the distance came the sound of the rumbling Amtrak. Shunting and ringing. Shunting and ringing. Softened into song, almost melody by the long distance. I can see the brightness of the red, green, and yellow signal lights. Izzy. My wife pointed out the framework in the sky. And the signs of the zodiac. Say what you see. One of our favorite games. Right there. The bright dot of light. Mars. (laughs) It's big. It's in opposition. This is the closest it comes to Earth. Look up at it. (laughs) You're never going to catch it in your camera. It's not Mars I'm trying to catch. In addition to the first-hand account, we also have in our exhibit photographs, believed to have been taken by the author's wife, Isabel. The couple lived barely above the poverty mark in 2027, almost completely unknown. And now, they're each independently two of the most integral histographers of the 21st century. Isabel's camera was found on the floor of the river beneath the DuSable Bridge. It's unknown whether she survived the massacre that day. Her pictures depict some of the best close-up photographs we have, They catch how quickly the situation unfolded, beginning in simple, blissful domesticity that quickly unravels to hysteria. This is image number one in the series. You're never going to catch it in your camera. It's not Mars I'm trying to catch. We've titled it, Man Standing in Front of the Starry Sky. How's the new lens? It's amazing. (laughs) That's good. Now your turn. Say what you hear. Um, a partier's. Coming home from a night out in the city. Say what you smell. Almond leaves, chai tea, your deodorant. And say what you feel. The chalky grit of rocks below my feet. My shirt tag itching me here in the side. The wrinkles in the palm of your soft hand. Come here, you. Say what you taste. Mm, Cup of cold water. Deli meats, salami. Oh, <laughs> oh uh, 
It's Dr. Ogilvie. It's past 11. Yeah, it's me, Doc. What's up? Image number two in the collection. A farmhouse fountain near Kankakee, Illinois. Notice the water in the picture. Focus clear as ice. Isabel Wells has such a steady hand for photography. Yeah, I'm not far from the observatory now. I'll see you soon. A good lead for an article? This could be an exclusive. That's great. Can I walk you back? No need. Get the story. Walk fast. I want to test this long exposure. Long exposure on photograph three. We call it, the stars are bright. Their brilliance starkly contrasts the smudge of a figure walking away. Dr. Pearson. Dr. Pearson, Dr. Pearson this we is have Travis just one question for my readers, please. A question for you, Doctor. Here we have a secondary source that aired on October 2nd, carried by a few of the major news networks. A press conference by NASA's Dr. Stephanie Pearson. We can confirm that dense clouds have continued to spread through the Martian atmosphere. This is an astronomical anomaly that won't affect Earth in the slightest. Now, has the Mars rover discovered the source of these anomalies? <clears throat> the Mars rover Curiosity has malfunctioned. Malfunctioned? Now, please. There's a previous statement. Further into the issue. Is there any updates from the MAVEN satellite? The MAVEN and also the Odyssey are offline as well. This temperature has risen beyond our equipment's capacity. That's all. Good afternoon. Um, Chicago Sun Times, could there be foul play? We've confirmed Chinese and Russian satellites are down too. Uh, no, I mean foul play in the UFO sense. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your question. But the chances of intelligent life on Mars are a hundred billion to one. Good afternoon. Uh, Dr. Pearson. Dr. Pearson. Dr. Pearson. Dr. Pearson. Dr. Pearson. Come back and answer a few play. more questions, Dr. please. Pearson, please. Now, preliminary observations indicate these flaming bursts of gas squirting violently from the surface emanate near the Vallis Marineris, a Martian canyon as large as our entire country. But what if that rip in the planet grew, pulled apart like a zipper, new calderas of seeping magma bursting into flame from down inside that canyon. It's the strangest thing since the discovery of the polar ice caps. Dr. It's... Ogilvy, oh. are you in here? The black and silent observatory. The steady ticking of the telescope. The little slitted roof with stardust streaked across it. Ah, oh, H.G., come, follow me up the steps here to the telescope. Uh, have you talked to anyone else yet? No, just you. You're a gem. Now, put your eye against the rim there. I never dreamed of it then as I watched. No one dreamed of that unerring missile. Oh! Did you see it, my boy? Uh-huh. A, a reddish flash at the edge. The jetting, just as you described. Almost as though Mars was going supernova. Well, nonsense. Only stars can go supernova. Well, it certainly appears to be flaming out, even combusting from within. Oh, that's clickbait, HG. I'd like to publish something as soon as I can. Well, being correct is more important than being first. Well, that's easy to say when you've got an AAG fellowship. Oh, what you posit, it's unscientific. But the it's... storytelling is good. 
The greatest scientists allow observation access to imagination. <laughs> Don't throw my words back at me now. I'm just not sure how long we can keep paying rent selling Izzy's lithographic prints at mall kiosks. Stay integrous, HG. Things will come through. It's my job to figure out the science, and it's your job to describe. So, describe. Hundreds of others saw the flame that night, and the night after, and so for ten nights, a flame every night. This is the morning edition on WBEZ, Chicago's news source. This is Ramon Raquello with La Compercita. Good morning, baby. Good morning. Yes, please. Good morning. This is Jennifer McKenzie with WBEZ News. We're interrupting this program to follow up on an earlier local story of a large falling star making impact outside Chicago. We have a reporter on the scene, Carla Phillips, at the Fallen Meteor near the Midwind National Tallgrass Prairie outside Kankakee, Illinois. Uh, Carla, uh, Carla, did you just say Kankakee? Oh, yeah, you sure can, Jennifer. Uh, Carla Phillips here. I hardly know where to begin. Uh, Carla's described a greenish streak that glowed behind the meteor for multiple seconds as it fell. I just got here. I haven't really had a chance to look around. I guess that's it. Directly in front of me, buried in a vast pit. Dr. Ogilvy. With a terrific force. The ground here is covered with splinters of a tree it must have struck on its way down. The object itself doesn't look very much uh, like yeah, a meteor. Are you down there already? At least not any meteor I've seen. Well, how close? The thing is And where exactly and are you? fully intact, 30 yards across. Where, Ogilvy, where? You've never seen anything else. No, 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 no. Send me your exact location. Uh, if you do come down here, you better bring a shovel. I have to go, Izzy. HG? A week after the jetting and a meteor hits. Well, take the bike. I love you. Be careful. According to his manuscript, H.G. Wells arrived at the pit on his bicycle just after sunrise on October 11th, 2027. It's Carla Phillips here again, reporting at the scene of the fallen meteor at a safe distance behind a small wall. Uh, From here, I get a sweep of the whole scene. There are small piles of dug gravel surrounding what has become a moat around the thing. Uh, You there, keep digging. The meteorite itself looks like a great wad of shining black chewing gum. Now keep on digging, everyone. An eggplant-shaped, tapering into a mace at the top. Oh, we've got to unearth this specimen to see it in full. I came upon the crater. Sticking into the skin of our old planet like a poisoned dart. They're drying up a cordon in front of the pit. I'd say about 30 people now. The sun has risen and the flashlights have been put away. That's accelerating the day. Ah, oh, join in. Uh, Ogilvy. Yes, yes, come on now. We've got to unearth this thing. What is it? We don't know, but the sooner we get to the bottom of it, the sooner we'll, well, get to the bottom of it. Come now. Twelve full hours of digging. By sunset, it was nearly unearthed by the crowding group. Take a break, HG. I need your mind more than your arms. This meteor, Ogilvy. It's what we saw shooting from Mars. Uh, yes, that is plausible. Do you hear that? Hmm. Listen. Let's have a look. Uh, Careful, don't get too close now. Hey, what's happening up top there? Oh, it's something more than a meteorite. It's a cylinder. And it's opening. There must have been 15 people crowded around the ditch, 
elbowing and jostling one another. Hey, careful! Quick pushing! Oh, she fell in! Oh my God, she fell in the hole! Come on, we gotta help her. But stand back, please, all of you! We've gotta pull her out of the pit. We don't know what's in there yet. Hey, give me your hand. I'm, I'm right up here. I'm trying. Uh, pull that rock over and stand on it. Look at that! Hurry, the screw, it's coming out! It's a lid. Air was escaping at the rim with a thin, sizzling sound. The lid fell upon the gravel with a ringing concussion. Come on! H.G., get back now! A gust of heat like a sauna. Oh, Christ, it's open! Look at that. The poor woman's face gave way to horror. Oh, God! H.G.! Oh, hell! The smell hit us first. Pickled moss must. Stringent and urinary. And then? A big, grayish, rounded bulk rose slowly and painfully out of the cylinder. As it bulged, it caught the light and glistened like wet leather. Those who have never seen a living Martian can scarcely imagine the horror. Two large, dark eyes the size of turkey trays. A rounded head with what some might call a face. Its body burning with wetness, like rain sizzles on a campfire. A mouth under the eyes, quivering and panting. Dripping saliva, biting at the air around it. A voice, tracheotomized, belched out. Some kind of milk in Back away! Everyone back! Oh god, there's more of them! From the cylinder, a thin rod rose up, joint by joint, bearing at its top a circular disc spinning with wobbling motion. HG, you've got to move! And then suddenly, Ogilvy shoved me out of the way. <clears throat> it was so bright, it turned the sky black. Three puffs of smoke made all our faces green. A bright glare leapt from one body to the next, as each of them was instantly turned to fire. I saw Ogilvy stagger and fall. Hey, get up! An invisible, inevitable sword of heat. The whole first row got swept completely out of existence. I stood still staring where Ogilvy had been, and now... Nothing but a scuff. <laughs> and there were shrieks, and shouts, and hats and dresses caught fire and a policeman with his hands over his head, screaming. Pine trees burst into fire, every dry bush a mass of flames. All that crowd bolting like a flock of sheep did not escape. I don't remember the instant I ran, but I can hear those voices still. I stumbled through the heather, a panic terror not only of the Martians, but of the dusk. Of the growing stillness about me. And when I ran, I was weeping. And once I started running, I did not dare turn back. The War of the Worlds, adapted from H.G. Wells' novel by Mac Gordon and Corey Bradbury. This audio play was performed for you live on Halloween 2021 by Greg Garrison as Dr. Ogilvy, 
Ming Hudson as the professor, Mac Gordon as H.G. Wells, and Elizabeth McCoy as Isabel Wells. And of course, they all played much more than that. Ben Zucker created our original music and additional sound, with additional soundscapes by Mac Gordon and myself, your director, stage manager, and sound engineer for the evening, Corey Bradbury. Special thanks to John Olson Communications, Brandon Bowler, Zach Parkhurst, and Ross Burlingame. Please help us spread the word about our show. To hear other audio offerings or support A Theater in the Dark, find us online at atheaterinthedark.com.